Hey guys, it's Nerd Talk Dan, and I'm back for the Star Trek Picard Episode 2 review. Uh, this episode is called Maps and Legends. It was directed by Hanel Culpepper and written by Michael Shabin and Akiva Goldsmith. As always, we're going to do a quick synopsis. This is actually my second take. The first synopsis was running a bit long. I'm trying to get it a little bit shorter uh, so I don't have to keep you guys watching hours and hours of me rambling on. We start, and this episode is good because it's starting to get the ball rolling. Episode 1 was... it was a fine episode, but it had to get all these pieces into place, right? And so now it can start pushing over that first domino, and we can start picking up momentum. We start on Mars 14 years ago from the perspective of in-universe Jean-Luc Picard. What happened on Mars 14 years ago? The synthetics attacked Mars and the planet is still on fire. So we we zoom in on the Utopia Planitia shipyards and it is First Contact Day. First Contact Day is a celebration, kind of like the Columbus Day of the future. Uh, Zephyr Cochran made his legendary warp flight which drew the attention of the Vulcans, and it was humanity's first contact with an alien species. And from there, that was the kind of the catalyst that would lead to the eventual Federation, right? Um, we start kind of learning more that we're not alone in the galaxy. Earth unites and starts to try to better itself. All of these things can be seen, by the way, in the great movie Star Trek First Contact. There's a skeleton crew of humans working on first contact day and they're you know low-level laborers they helping build starships I guess and they have an army of soon type androids uh, they don't look like data but I mean they don't look like Brent Spiner data right but they you know have the gold skin and they have the yellow eyes but they don't have hair and they have a tattoo on the back of their head and there's some, it feels kind of concentration camp imagery-y in that we're using a slave labor force. And what's strange is that the workers are kind of jerks to these androids. And even if these androids aren't as mentally complex as Data was, in, in that, you know, Data is sapient and sentient right even if these guys are mostly just comp very very advanced complex manufacturing tools it, it's still weird to to treat them with such low regard they're condescending to them they're mean they call them names and, and it doesn't feel like the humanity that we were supposed to have evolved into we've seen humans be jerks in Star Trek before. Harry Mudd comes to mind. But something uh, Captain Sisko said in DS9 was, it's easy to be an angel in paradise. Earth, at this time, is supposed to be a paradise, right? And its people, the humans who live there, are supposed to be evolved. They're not supposed to be bullying people, but, you know, I, it's a more realistic portrayal of humanity, but is that really what what we wanted um it, 
it's something we're gonna have to kind of think about but these guys were really mean to this robot and the robots just kind of have to smile yes it's a puppet for them right and as these workers are sitting down for, for a meal we see this android's eyes kind of tweak out some static or something and it starts working on this wall panel super fast and it's doing something sketchy and a worker sees it and we start getting announcements uh synthetics are uh revolting in section part different parts of the shipyards and in space we see these satellites turn toward the shipyards and we know that's not good it's going to shoot something at the planet a worker tries to stop it and this android reaches back and snaps his neck the android called f8 has a tattoo f8 on the back of its head grabs a not a phaser it's kind of like a laser torch and it shoots all of these workers and we see them die and this is not like star trek where phasers tended to impact and zzz, and you fall over even if you were dying sometimes you would disintegrate but these people are getting shot through and once he kills all the workers this android kills himself uh, an interesting point kind of a funny point i noticed was that these workers were wearing red overalls red shirts die first so it's a weird little on the nose trek reference we cut back to earth and picard is talking to his romulan assistants uh the two i mentioned last time uh they have names now they are called the female is called laris and the male is called zabon zabon right um vegeta will be coming soon uh I love the dynamic between these three. I could watch them, I could watch them just bounce dialogue off each other all day. I, I don't know. They have real nice chemistry with each other. Um, we we find out that Laris at least is Tal Shiar or was Tal Shiar in a you know previous life. Um, they're watching footage of Dodge dying. And it's been like the footage has been edited. Um, and she goes, oh yeah, yeah, the, the Tal Shiar did that. But this is really good. So I think it's something much deeper than the Tal Shiar. And Zaban's like, oh, here we go. Laris has a theory that whoever came after Daj is something called the Jadvash. Now, the Jadvash are to the Tal Shiar what Section 31 is to... Starfleet intelligence and it's a much deeper 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 dark secretive intelligence service and this is deeper than the Tal Shiar which is you know already uh, secret police and I love this episode because we're getting a lot of Romulan lore and she says a, a really uh, Laris says a really interesting line she goes uh, the Tal Shiar you guys like to call it or you and the Federation like to call it the Romulan secret police. And that's kind of stupid because in Romulan culture, everything's a secret. So in that case, the Talashiar are just kind of the police, and then these Jadvash are something much, much deeper. And when you know just how powerful uh, the Talashiar are, or were over Romulus and how much they intimidated even the normal population that's kind of scary um, 
So, ooh, okay, deep conspiracy. And she goes, the Jadvash go back thousands of years, and they are the secret keepers. And Picard's like, well, what, what's the secret that they keep? Like, haven't you ever noticed that in Romulan culture, we don't have synthetic life, we don't have androids, we don't make AI, so it would make sense that they're attacking the synthetics. Maybe they just don't like synthetic life. But obviously there's going to be something much deeper, I'm sure much more uh, compelling, or I hope, than what I just said. They beam into Daj's uh, apartment where her boyfriend was killed, and uh, Laris uses this device to recreate the, the, the night where the three Romulan spies tried to kidnap Daj. And it's a really, really nice interaction because... She pulls out this tool, and Picard knows what she's doing. He goes, you know, that technology, uh, it's been disproven, and it's, you know, it's very, very dubious, and it's usually wrong in its results. And she smiles and goes, oh yeah, that's what we wanted you to think. Oh, I love it. I love this kind of game of chess that the Tal Shiar and the Romulan military were playing with uh, the Federation, and that they were both playing these weird mind games with each other. So the uh, Romulans had this great technology, and once the Federation got it, uh, they were able to kind of convince the Federation, no, 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 this is where it's all, it's just a stupid little thing, but it actually does work. They just don't want them to have that advantage. Instead of doing, uh, you know, more direct espionage, destroying the plants and that kind of stuff, no, 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 that thing, it doesn't work most of the time. Maybe they left out some key component that's needed to make it work properly. Uh, but anyways, they try to recreate this uh, crime scene, and we see a recreation of Dodge and her boyfriend up until uh, the three guys beam in, and then it cuts out. And Laris is a little shaken. She's like, oh my god, it must be the Jadvash, because these guys didn't just clean the site, they scrubbed it clean. This, like, it, this shouldn't happen. Um, they find another way to f get to Daj's sister. Because they're looking for Daj's sister. They need a clue. Where could this lady be? And so they're looking for hints. Um, and they find... I'm guessing... It, it's this little bar and it projects a, a, a holographic screen. Kind of like a laptop, I guess. Or a, a tablet. A holographic tablet. And um, they find out that... Soji, Daj's sister, is off-world. <gasps> and I don't get the big problem with that because... This is Star Trek. Going off-world is not that big a deal. Going off-world is maybe like taking taking a flight to another state. And then how far out you go is maybe flying to another country, right? It's safe, it's reliable. And everyone's like, <gasps> oh no. You dramatic missing. She's not on earth uh, dun 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 like even if Picard's not in Starfleet anymore he can just catch a transport to somewhere to find uh, to find this girl we cut to the Romulan reclamation site or the Borg cube or as it's called the artifact they don't call it a Borg cube anymore it's basically a cube that's been de uh, disconnected from the collective Soji Daj's twin sister and the Romulan guy who approached her at the end of the last episode. His name is Narek. 
they are now sleeping together and you know they're 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 having this sexy banter and they both have to get up to go to work now soji kind of offhandedly asks him is everything in romulan culture a secret looks at him and goes i tell you but that's a secret and if this show is just going to keep building on Romulan lore, oh, I love it because, you know, the Romulans have been this giant mystery. And to learn, you know, just how paranoid and secretive their culture is even outside the Tal Shiar, that's kind of interesting to see. Um, so learning this kind of stuff, I, I was really happy to get these little nuggets this episode. Uh, what's happening on the Borg Cube is they are reclaiming... Well, I guess you can't reclaim, right? I, um, they are harvesting technology from the cube we're gonna see a little bit more of that at the end of this episode but we cut back to earth uh john luke meets with his doctor his doctor is an old friend from the stargazer and not beverly beverly crusher i'm a, I'm a beverly picard shipper i'm sorry i just love it i love that combination uh, but he's meeting with this his doctor and they're kind of reminiscing and he goes look Picard says to his friend, I need you to clear me for duty so I can send it to Starfleet. I need to get my commission reactivated. And the doctor says, physically speaking, you're fine, except this abnormality in your brain. This is a reference to all good things. The final episode of TNG where we see a future version of Picard who has something called aromatic syndrome. And aromatic syndrome is a neurological disorder, kind of like future Alzheimer's, which you know, it progresses through the regular states of dementia until you have... So your synaptic pathways degenerate, and then eventually, I guess, your brain just shuts down and you die. And even in the future, they don't have a way to stop it. First off, my guess for the future, Borg nanobots are going to fix that, and then he's going to be the captain that we remember. Cut to Picard going to San Francisco Starfleet headquarters. He steps off the transporter pad, and we hear this kind of melancholy, nostalgic, slow version of the TNG theme as he's looking at Starfleet headquarters. Remember, Picard still wants to be an explorer, it's just he had to resign out of moral obligation. He couldn't stand by what Starfleet was becoming. Um, and we're going to talk about what he probably should have done instead um, because of the next scene. He walks in to Starfleet headquarters, and he, you have this beautiful reception area, and he looks up, and up above this reception area floating is this hologram of the NCC-1701. No bloody A, B, C, or D. The Constitution class USS Enterprise is floating. And then it shifts into the galaxy class and he's kind of smiles remember that ship represents starfleet to him exploration peace um i am a little bit peeved it, this is nitpicky that they didn't show the excelsior class b or the ambassador class c both of those were fine ships as well they would probably be a little less familiar to uh, a more casual audience um kirk's Enterprise and Picard's Enterprise are iconic, so people will understand what those are and the imagery of them. He walks up to reception, and you have this 
this jerk ensign, this gold shirt. And he goes, hello, welcome to Starfleet. Um, Picard says, I have an appointment with the CNC, the commander-in-chief of Starfleet. He goes, your name? Bro, that is John Luke Picard. The guy saved everyone. Saved Earth more times than I can count. Him and Kirk are legends. This guy, obviously, it's talking about, you know, just generation gaps. And over time, you know, the heroes of the past get forgotten. But, like, it, it was only 14 years ago. Everyone should still know Picard, right? Especially if you're in Starfleet. The guy's a legend. So Picard has to actually spell it. Oh, my name's Picard. P I C, and I think it's supposed to be an infuriating scene. So, like, it that was the first affront to Picard, and we, because you know, for most of us, I think, even if he's not our favorite captain, he's still, you know, he's still the captain. It makes you feel sad for this guy because he's our captain. It's it's kind of like your father, right? Like, if someone was a jerk to your father, no, don't you can't be like that to him. Do you know who he is? They give him a visitor's pass, and I want to talk about that at the end. But he walks into the uh, CNC's office. Admiral Kirsten Clancy, and they do not get along, you can tell. Um, and they start bickering back and forth, angry at him for the interview as well. Um, he's like, I'm, you're right, I'm, you're right, I shouldn't have said anything, uh, but I did, and I, I lost control. He says, look, Data's... What's left of data is out there, and I need to s save it, this thing. And he says a weird line, and th this dear friend of mine who I've been mourning for 20 years, which is kind of strange. Uh, Mike and Richard mention it. Like, they're kind of building, the they're shipping data and Picard, and not that, you know, maybe they didn't grow very close over their time together. It's just... As a starship captain, you're going to get used to losing people. Um, you know how how many reg, random red shirts died, and of course, Data is different. He was bridge crew. He was senior staff. But there have been examples of when people thought Data was dead, and Picard was like, "Yeah, we got to move on." So <laughs> sorry, a military esque service. So we we got to just keep on with our duties and uh, you know lock that pain down. Uh, so. It was kind of a weird, weird line. She goes, what do you want, Jean-Luc? Reactivate my commission. Give me a warp-capable ship for one mission. And she goes, what? She goes, look, I understand the optics of the situation might be strange, so I'm willing to accept a reduction in rank to captain uh, just for the remainder of this mission, and then I'll resign again. And she stands up, and she's indignant. How dare you, blah, blah, blah. And he stands up... And they start debating this issue of the Romulan rescue. And we get a little more backstory to what happened. So after the synthetics attacked, uh, the Romulan rescue mission was more or less aborted. Uh, and Picard was not happy about that. And she says, look, we had a choice. The Federation is a coalition of thousands of races, hundreds of worlds. And we had species, we had member species threatening to pull out if we didn't stop helping the, the Romulans. 
our resources were depleted. Remember, the shipyards are very vital, but they shouldn't be that vital, given how large Federation space is. There should be other shipyards that are just as productive. But, okay, I get it. it a, a place very, very close to Earth got attacked, and that hurt our morale quite a bit. And he's like, it doesn't matter, we're Starfleet, we should have done this. Um, and it, it showed that maybe, maybe the Federation image that we got from TNG was the idealized version and that there was a real politic, real politic situation happening outside of this uh, rosy bridge and this rosy ship. You know, remember, the galaxy class is the best of the best, so you're going to have the idealists and the, the die-hard Federation optimists. And then you're going to have, uh, for example, on the Utopia Planitia Yards, a bunch of jerks. Maybe things aren't as good as we always were led to believe it was. And so it, it's an interesting idea. And again, I, I said it last time, I'm not really okay with that. But for the sake of the story and to get the synopsis over, I'm willing to uh, let it go. For now, I want to kind of see how this all plays out. Um, so she says no. And he's storms off he goes back to his home pulls out his combat puts it on and calls someone called Rafi we don't know who Rafi is but he's like Rafi I need your help I need a ship cut back to the Borg cube and we find out what they're doing as I said they are harvesting Borg technology now there are safe spaces in the cube places basically that are what would the word be have been sanitized uh, you are safe to live, work there without fear of basically the Borg technology attacking you. Um, there's there's a plaque, and it says uh, it's it's been nanchada nanchada. It's been like five thousand five hundred days since uh, the last assimilation, and you kind of think that's a joke, and until you go, oh wait a minute, maybe that's not a joke. It's a joke for us, but maybe for them, it's actually a little bit dark humor. There's something called the gray zone. The gray zone is where they are, have drones kept in stasis. And what they're doing is they are detaching the Borg components from them and probably using them for research. And then the biological being that was left over probably dies without those components. Um, these drones were cut off by the collective and I guess they may have just shut down. So it's kind of like a seven of nine situation, but somehow seven survived, but these drones didn't. Uh, we don't know the backstory to how the this particular cube uh, got into the state it was. We don't know. It, for example, it could be the first board cube that uh, came during the TNG era. Uh, we don't know, but it's a cube, and they're just trying to uh, understand it. But there's still a threat of assimilation. You know, uh, Seven of Nine could uh, nanotube you from her uh, for hand. So the danger would be. So let's say they are surgically removing something from this former drone the drone wakes up and its first reaction is going to try to assimilate you or at least fight back so what they have is they wear these it looks like a combat badge but it's not it's a patch kind of like a um like a radiation patch a signal right he said if it flashes like green run that means you know something bad is about to happen and uh they're just coldly deconstructing this drone and Soji, Dasha's sister, is there and she is helping on 
this technology harvest. We cut to a yellow-shirted, uh, uh, a yellow uniform-wearing admiral. Uh, so that either means she's intelligence or security. My guess is security. Uh, she has, she's a one, a one pip admiral. So she's a rear admiral, I'm guessing. And she's a Vulcan. Uh, she's sitting there, and she is getting briefed on what happened with Picard uh, from Admiral uh, Kirsten Clancy, the admiral with whom Picard was arguing. Uh, admiral Clancy mentions Maddox, Dodge, and everything that's happened. I'll look into it, Admiral. Um, cuts off. And this ad, you know, it's a, Vul it's a Vulcan though, so we don't really, you know, okay. Um, but we see some, there's something of a hint, and it's in her hands. Uh, this could be intentional, it could not be. Uh, the Vulcan salute is this. She's holding her hands like this. And I think that was a subtle hint that we find out later. She, I'm sorry, this woman is not a Vulcan. She is a Romulan. Not only is she a Romulan, she's Tal Shiar. Not only is she Tal Shiar, she is likely Jad Vash. And she calls this lieutenant in. And this lieutenant also Tal Shiar, but she has rounded ears. She's been surgically altered to look human. And she goes, do you want me to take out Picard? And the Admiral scolds her, you know, you never learn patience. Um, you're going to infiltrate, infiltrate, that's your job, you're a spy. Uh, and also deal with the situation on the cube. Make sure, you know, he, he's doing his job. This Romulan agent called Lieutenant Rizzo projects herself, the cube talks to uh, the boyfriend, the Romulan boyfriend of Soji. And as they're talking, we find out, okay, they're both Talshiar, they're brother and sister, and this Rizzo is ruthless. She's like, look, do your job, because both our lives, lives are on the line, and if you don't get it done by the time I'm there, I'll have to kill you, and I'll have to take care of this situation with this android thing. And, ooh, drama. Um, the last scene is Picard taking a taxi, like a hover taxi, but still a taxi, to meet that uh, Rafi. She is portrayed by uh, Michelle Hurd, and she's living some type of weird, like, off-the-road life, which is something we, again, haven't really seen in Star Trek. In a post-scarcity world, where you have replicators, you don't really need to be living in the outskirts unless you want to. But... Card brought a good vintage of wine, and she, you know, she's pissed off. She's like, all right, come on over. And that's where the episode cuts off. Overall, it was a good episode in that. It was better than the last episode, I think, because things are starting to move. We're not just seeing where everything is. And uh, I'm loving the fact that we're getting a lot more Romulan lore. Um, I have a theory on why the Jad Vash will not like synthetic life and while the, why they'll have shaped Romulan culture to be suspicious of androids and artificial life. Uh, I think there's going to be some time travel shenanigans. I think on the Borg cube, they're going to screw up. The, the Borg are going to wake up, travel back in time. Since they're in Romulan space, they're going to try to attack the Romulans. The current cast will defeat those Borg, but it'll have It'll have um, traumatized these ancient Romulans, and so the Jadvash will will basically uh, dedicate th themselves to eliminating 
and making sure that artificial life doesn't come to pass. Zalban says that the Jadvash were the names of the dead. It's what you called the dead, um, because the dead can keep secrets. So my guess, yeah, the dead are probably the people who were killed by the Borg. We're dead too. We are the Jadvash, and we'll make sure this never happens again to the Romulans in the next generations. My, that's my theory on what's going to happen. Uh, I am liking how deeply the Tal Shiar has infiltrated Starfleet for a reason. So, after Romulus was destroyed, its people were scattered to the wind, and there's a lot of potential holocaust allegory you can get from that, in that you have these survivors of an, an extinction-level event who are scattered to the wind, and so what they do is they create a, an intelligence organization. Now, the, the Romulans have always had the Tal Shiar, but these agents start infiltrating and assassinating and working behind the scenes. Um, so Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, miniseries Spy, uh, it was, I think it was called Spy, it was about a Mossad agent who infiltrates the highest levels of the Syrian government. And this is a true story. And that's just how effective Mossad was at all kinds of uh, espionage stuff. And that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting here in reaction to the Federation betraying them and them vowing to never be betrayed again, these remnant Tal Shiar agents uh, kind of rebuild themselves as a more clandestine organization and start infiltrating all the different parts of the Federation, probably the Klingon Empire, um, to maybe maintain some influence in the Quadrant. So I'm interested to see where this these spy plot lines go. I'm really interested to see more of this Talshiar Admiral who's infiltrated uh, Starfleet Intelligence. Because she's she's an Admiral now. She's risen through the ranks. At the end, Lara's pissed at the thought of Picard going back into space. She's like, are you insane? It's, it must be like men mental uh, breakdown or something. And Zalban's like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, we're, we're obviously going with you. And Picard says something. So he's like, no, 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 you have to attend to the graves. They need you more now. And you have two Tal Shiar agents, pre or former Tal Shiar agents, who want to come with you. That's a good idea. And Lara, uh, Laris is even like, only Tal Shiar can pre protect you from Tal Shiar. And that's probably true. Uh, they would know the signs. They would know what to keep an eye out for. And I just love how dedicated they are to him, unless we find out later that they are just deep cover agents themselves. I could see that twist coming too, but I hope not. I hope that these are the first Romulans we have get that are on our side for the long term. Zalban's like, you know, you need a good crew if you're going to head out into space. Bring back the band. Reunite the band, you know. And Picard's like, no, 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 I can't do that. Because they would do it for me at the drop of a hat. So that's why you should probably do it, because not only would they do it for you, they're the best of the best. They're a proven, trustworthy, loyal, and capable crew. So not only that, they are all Data's friends as well. So they have just as much stake in it. But he goes, no, 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 I don't want to involve them, which is fair enough in the sense that, for example, I don't know if Riker still has his commission or is retired or if any of the others. We know that at some point Geordi is probably 
made into a captain and given a galaxy class starship himself uh it, it just seems like maybe he, if he has a galaxy class that would be a, a very very safe way to to do what needs getting done right um but if he's worried about their you know hurting their careers i could see him going well, okay i'm gonna hesitate in that way but this is star trek picard after all so you want to keep the the limelight on picard and patrick stewart um the last point i had in my notes was remember that plucky little reception desk ensign who gave picard the arrow the visitor's badge the visitor's badge is the star trek arrow or this on its side not that we haven't seen that before captain kirk had the sideways arrowhead um on his more casual like robe looking uh shirt from the original series but i think here thematically is usually the arrow is upright here it's sideways kind of implying that to Picard, Starfleet has gone sideways. It's not, again, it's no longer Starfleet to him. They've betrayed their values. They cave to political pressure instead of doing what's objectively right, which is helping the people in need. They have the resources to do that. We don't know how deep and how widespread the synthetic attack was, but if it was just Mars, uh, a lot of these member worlds that threatened to pull out were like, well, no, they're the Romulans. They're the Rom. We don't want to help them. They're our enemies. And that's a really, really crappy way. That's a really, really crappy thing. Um, again, the Romulans fought hard in the Dominion War, and if they weren't there, chances are the Federation would have lost that war. But, okay, now I guess all the races in the Federation are petty. Bum, bum, ba, bum, It's... Um, so again, we're seeing the Federation at a low. What I'm hoping is that over time, Picard's heart is going to be what builds it back up. One last point is something I promised to mention was that Admiral Clancy goes, This is no longer your house, John Luke. He retired, right? In protest of not helping the Romulans. And when he resigned, he... I guess to a lot of Starfleet upper leadership, they th they saw it as him turning their back on them and shunning them, which, of course, that's what it was. He was protesting them and their decisions. But now, he's no longer in any position to help anyone. What do I think he should have done? He should have stayed an admiral. The guy was the top figure in Starfleet. He should have been mending the system from inside it making sure it remained true to its values and the fact that he didn't is i mean it's making him more human instead of kind of the uh paragon of leadership and morality and ethics and duty that he always was in the series episode two i'm gonna say it's it's pretty good i, I enjoyed it i was involved it, I, it felt a little short which is a good sign because that meant it moved along quite nicely. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Um, I'll catch you next week when I upload a new review. Uh, as always, you can find me at NerdTalkDan. Uh, remember to click the like and subscribe button. There's a bell icon somewhere above me. If you click that, you're going to get notifications about when I release a new video. Comment down below, what did you think about episode 2? And how do you feel about the way the Federation is being portrayed at the moment? Do you like it? Do you wish it went back? Are you? What are you hoping is the end, uh, the end game for all of this? 
Have a good day, nerds.